You're listening to the Missionary Perspective Podcast with veteran missionaries Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric. Uh, good morning, Josh. It's good to see you. Uh, we just started our uh, recording, and uh, as always, there's always some kind of little glitch, and uh, Josh's computer wanted to do a, uh, a software update, but you know, it's amazing. I think we're running on 25, 26 episodes, Josh, and it still amazes me that we're able to have such good internet connections between the Caribbean and Africa, and once again today, I think we have a topic that's a lot of fun that kind of talks about uh, what life is like on the mission field and adapting some of our supporting churches and uh, inviting them to come participate with us. That's right. Mission trips. We are going to talk about uh, the <laughs> pros and cons of missions trips. And I'm just going to preface it by this. I love mission trips. I love hosting ah, them. And uh, I loved going on them when I was younger. Uh, you've hosted quite a few mission trips. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience of hosting mission trips. Of course, you've explained to us last week, you've gone on mission trips, but yeah. how many mission trips have you hosted about and, and what were the nature of those trips? Yeah, that's, I was thinking about that as we were doing uh, prep for our episode. I, I know it's over 20. It's probably closer to 30 wow. plus. Um, and as we'll dive into the subject a little more today, we'll get into more specifics, but generally we've had mission groups come from as little as four or five people to as high as 30. And Sometimes it's for outreaches, evangelistically passing out tracts and flyers. Uh, sometimes it's for VBS. We've done family fairs. We've had many men's construction trips. We have had teenagers interact with uh, youth conferences. So we've had the whole gambit, uh, different things. And I know over the years, we've learned a lot. And, you know, very early on, we learned a lot by just asking some of our missionary friends on the mission field for some advice. And so today, Josh and I would like to just kind of share with you guys, some of the wonderful blessings that come from it, and definitely some things to consider so that that they are blessings and not maybe interests to your ministry. Yeah, and I think we're going to approach it from two angles. We're going to give some advice and tips from our own experience to missionaries who are hosting a team. Maybe you haven't hosted that many <laughs> mission trips and you would like to bring in uh, some teams for various reasons, or maybe you are an individual in a local church that wants to take a mission trip. And so we're going to give mm. some uh, tips as well uh, on making a successful mission trip, uh, how to prepare for it and how to make the most of that time. But overall, Eric, I've, I, there's kind of mixed reviews nowadays on the topic of mm. mission trips. If you, if you Google mission trips, missionary trips. There's some articles that'll pop up. Uh, I came across a couple. There's a book that was written recently by Robert Lupin called uh, Toxic Charity. And uh, it's actually a really mm. good book that lays out some of the issues with uh, charitable organizations going into poverty stricken countries and doing a whole bunch of work, but not doing follow-up. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well as, um, you know, are there pros, are there cons? There's a lot of negatives out there today uh, that you'll find articles written about it. And I think there's some legitimate points, but at the same time, Absolutely. I think there's a lot of great net benefits to not only going on a mission trip, but if you're a missionary hosting a mission trip. And so one veteran missionary looked at me one time when I was talking to him about mission trips and ho how many we've hosted. And he said, man, are you crazy? <laughs> like, we just don't do mission <laughs> trips. I said, well, I mean, we oh love my. it. So in your experience, obviously you've done quite a few mission trips overall. Is it, mm -hmm. it does the benefit outweigh the negative of hosting mission trips for you? Well, uh, I would say this first, I would say, I kind of, let me return to the beginning, you know, a mission trip for the missionary can provide such great encouragement in the work, but number one priority before you even say yes to that group, you need to be able to understand what, what's the goal, what's going to be accomplished. And so in many ways, it's hard to know if it was beneficial if you haven't prepared ahead of time and said, you know, what do we want to accomplish? And so, yes, for me, mission groups, almost without exception, have been very beneficial to our work. There have been exceptions. We might talk about some funny cases where we had people uh, and, and things didn't mesh. And that, that's funny too. That's a little bit like when you're on furlough and you have those stories. But for me, the great blessing was one, having been on many missions trips on the side of being a, 
uh, a church, um, you know, not, not being the missionary, being the person coming to help the missionary. And so understanding what we can do to help the missionary. And then on this side, understanding after a couple of mission trips, whoa, we need to recalibrate this. And so I think so much of it, Josh, on having a positive, wonderful, satisfying experience for the missionary is understanding your ministry there on, on the field and how right. these people who are coming and have such great, amazing hearts. I, I try to, every time we have a missions group, explain to our people the sacrifice because, you know, Josh and I are going to talk about some things and it's going to be kind of deep in the woods and deep in the weeds, you might say. Um, but we want to start from the very beginning to say, if you have the desire to get on an airplane, take actual time off from work, spend your hard-earned money to go help a missionary, that is a good thing. What we're talking about is understanding how that, that good desire can actually be a blessing to that local New Testament work there. Now, in our experience, we, uh, I, th I thank the Lord that I had other missionaries ahead of me who really kind of gave me some insight. And, and one of the ways I was able to see missionaries who some people, they just had everybody and everybody in, and they tried to just keep them busy. And I saw how it ran right. them ragged. And I said, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and then other people who really came alongside of me and tried to help me maybe have a little better filter. And from the outset, Josh, this is something that I'm sure you're, you're good at this, but I found out other missionaries aren't. There's one word, two letters that some missionaries have not learned when it comes to mission groups. And the answer is no. Sometimes you mm -hmm. just have to say no. Now you can right. do it in a sweet way. You can do it creatively. Um, but sometimes you see things aren't going to work. And so you just have to say no. But when we say yes, it's because we feel very strongly that this group's going to come and they're going to be just a boost of energy and help to the mission work. Absolutely. Um, there's so much planning that goes into it. It is hard work. And oh, yet at yes. the same time, you, as a missionary, you really have to, there has to be a lot of planning, a lot of communication with the team that is coming <clears throat> so that you aren't just giving busy work for work's sake, but that you're fulfilling, like you said, a specific goal, a specific objective. There needs to be a purpose behind <laughs> it, right? And so what, I'll tell you, we'll get more into logistics and <laughs> prepping and planning. But one of the churches that um, I think does it the best that I've ever seen is your home church, Temple Baptist Church. I mean, they've got it down to a science. <laughs> the way that they do mission trips, whether it's a construction trip or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, it's incredible. Your church came to do some construction. They were one of our first construction teams that we hosted Temple Baptist church there. Your pastor came pastor Pittman and uh, several others from the church. And uh, man, they brought over, they brought over a, a Honda generator. <laughs> they brought yeah, over an yeah. entire um, cement mixer. This, they, uh, they, I remember that they disassembled it. <laughs> uh, there was a handle that you used to pull down the, the bar, you know, to pull down the cement. So they had to actually cut that and they just shortened the handle. They put that thing in a, in a case and they shipped it over on the airplane. I, they got it here. And I, after they assembled it, I thought, how did, how on earth did you get that over here? <laughs> and uh, everything's labeled all the tools laid out, man, they did such an excellent job. We might have to get your pastor on here and just have him lay out how he's done it. But I think it was your pastor who shared this story with me. They went to a, uh, to go do a construction, uh, do some construction in the Amazon. And yes. uh, he was emphasizing how important it is that there's that logistical communication and that the missionaries <laughs> prepared as well. He was telling me, they, I know that story. They, they got to the junk. They got to that area, got on the boat, got everything going. And they get, I don't know, two, three hours down the river. They finally get to the village and they get off, unload their tools. And uh, I think it was your pastor looks around and says, where's the material to build? And the missionary mm -hmm. went, oh, I knew I was forgetting something. <laughs> so <laughs> look, missionary, if you're going to host a team, man, you've got to be prepared. You've got, there's a lot of planning <laughs> that goes into it. And so, yeah, we've yeah, hosted. Josh, you don't, let me, let me just say, for the people who don't understand my pastor, my pastor then, because the materials weren't there, got in a boat with a couple of men in the middle of the night. They're going down the yeah. Amazon looking for this wood because my pastor is type A and does not like to wait. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, definitely. You're going to. And that's one of the points we're going to get to at the end is going to be yeah. about, um, you know, the experience of personalities, you know, when you do right. these mission trips. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's let's kind of do an overall generalization. Mm -hmm. um, some of these 
uh, articles that I looked up, the portions of the book I read about mission trips. Here, here's some facts that they raised. So the first thing I read about short-term mission trip, one of the questions they asked is, does it hurt or does it help in the long term? Okay. Um, they stated some facts in the book, um, Toxic Charity. In a survey he did, they estimated about 2 million Americans per year make mission trips. Okay. Now this wow. is overall, and this is when yeah, they define broad. a mission trip, we're talking about humanitarian efforts with most likely a Christian organization. And so it's very broadly speaking, um, he calls it a $2.4 billion a year industry. Now, I, I don't think mission trips wow. are industries, except for when it gets into a charitable organization that does these sort of mission trips, whether it's construction, you go to rebuild a devastated area. Uh, that's been, you know, hit by a hurricane. And that was one of the things he brought up. Um, one of the things he mentioned in the book was that after a hurricane hit South America, I think it was, I forget which country it was, but they went in and rebuilt these homes with this charitable organization. And they estimated it cost for material and to get all the American workers there, it cost them about $30,000 per home when had they just hired national workers it would have been $3,000 per home. So they wouldn't have been able to do much more. And so I've had several pastors bring that up to me. And I'm going to ask you, have you been asked that? I've had pastors ask me, well, Josh, would it be cheaper for us? Would you be able to do more? Let's say we're going to bring over 10 guys. That's going to cost in the end, you know, we're looking at close to 20,000 or more dollars just to get over there. Um, and to stay there. I mean, 20 to $30,000 for 10 guys to come over can you do more with that twenty to $30,000 dollars uh, than if not bringing them? And so I have a couple answers I give to that. Have you had any pastor pose that question? Oh yeah, certainly. Um, this is kind of funny because I, I don't know how many of our audience members are familiar with the comedian, John Christ, but he has made a very funny recent video of basically about this subject here, about the, 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 how some youth groups want to go and basically paint a building that was painted the, the week before by another youth group. It's really funny. Right. So if, if you, if you don't know this, you need to go check it out on YouTube. It's really funny. It's clean. It's funny. Um, there's a lot of truth to that. And so that is one of the things when it comes to assessing your group, and we're talking mostly right now about work groups um, when you come mm -hmm. up building or, or rebuilding something. Right. And thankfully we have had pastors who are um, very, uh, very much in tune with understanding those those uh, aspects, things that they can come and do that would be a benefit, and others that would just be, hate to say it, it won't be a waste, but maybe uh, not the right allocation of uh, time, money, and funds. And so, uh, thankfully, there are a lot of people who are like that. But at the same time, there is truth that by investing in missions, by buying a plane ticket and spending a little bit of money to come that week and come alongside. Uh, national workers, which is what I like to do, have national workers work with the Americans. There's also an investment that I think pastors wisely understand too, that you are allowing faithful men in your church and sometimes women as well to see the mission field, which will always affect them forever as far as giving, um, praying that the Lord may use them or their children or grandchildren in the future. And so I think it's not just cut and dry because it's true. If they send us money all the time, we probably, for the most part, can get national workers to do it far cheaper. But right. I think there is something to consider about the profitableness uh, spiritually for that supporting church. And for me, I still like to have mission groups in when they can be helpful for accountability. I think those who are um, supporting us have the right to come and check it out when both schedules work and it's convenient. Um, so I'm always open to that. But... Uh, there are times when uh, if they could send funds ahead, it would be far, far uh, quicker and more efficient as well. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no. And that's it. They, a lot of, a lot of people have thought that through. Uh, we've had churches that said, well, instead of making a mission trip, we're going to send you like an equivalent mm -hmm. of what it would cost. And I, I totally understand that. Uh, but at the same time, it's important to keep in mind that the gospel ministry, whether it's in America or overseas is not dependent on finances. Um, it, it's right. beyond finances. And yes, we want to invest where your treasure is there, where your heart yeah. be also, but the Bible also says my eye affects my heart. Right. And so yeah, exactly. we love hosting people. And I, I, I kind of think it 
think of it this way. Sure. It would cost you maybe $2,000 to come visit us here in Senegal for two week trip, right? Air airline mm -hmm. ticket and transportation and food and lodging for the duration of your time, which isn't too bad. Most mission trips cost between two, $3,000, uh, depending on where you're going and what you're mm -hmm. doing and how long you're staying. And again, this is in the context of construction or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, the investment of coming in person and maybe somebody in a church, they may not give and drop $2,000 in the offering plate for your building project. But if the pastor says, Hey, we're going to go lend a hand over there, they'll say, Hey, I'll try to scrape up and save $2,000 so I can go. So it's, it's money that most likely wasn't going to be donated anyways, is the way I see it. Mm -hmm. And now they're mm -hmm. going to try to save income. And most of the time when we've had people come, they've saved up and they've, they've set that money aside and they've come, their heart is open. And now they've seen Senegal face to face, they've seen the needs here, they've seen the work yeah. there, and they become a, a much more profound partner in the ministry here. Not only do they know how to better pray, Absolutely. but a, a lot of times whenever a need arises, those who have been here on the field are the first to respond to that need. Hey, you're, you're doing this. We were there. We want to send X amount of dollars to help with this next building fund. You know, we can't come to help this time, but we want to help you out financially. And so uh, if you're talking about finances, I mean, the work of the Lord is going to go forward with or without Absolutely. money, right? We may be seeing a big time, you know, financial crisis here in the world with everything <laughs> going on. But I always tell our church, whether we have the money to build a building or not, the church isn't the building. We don't need the money is not what drives gospel ministry. And so, hey, if you can make a mission trip, go. But here's another thing. So as I was reading this book, one of the things that it brought up is number one, it pointed out that a lot of charities and short term aid work has failed. And specifically, they did a study of Africa. Okay. They said that over the past 50 years, Africa has received $1 trillion in benevolent aid, but per capita, income is lower, adult literacy rate is lower, and life expectancy rate has stagnated. And so it appears that this short-term charity work has not been as beneficial as what many might have thought of. Then another thing that they point out in the book is 85% of aid money never reaches the targeted area of need. Now, this is talking mm -hmm. about giving finances through a major right. charity. Uh, one example they gave in the book is uh, there's a singer named Bono. So it said recently his charity was under fire because they audited his charity, which is called One. And when they audited it, they found out that only 1% of the money given to his charity actually reaches the needs that they're claiming to help, right? That's insane to me. I, well, the most recent example is the charity that is uh, that the Bidens, uh, current president of the United States, he established in the name of his deceased son, Bo, which is, which is wonderful, you know, set up this charity to how I, I forget what specifically price something with military, but it came out that only, you know, it's a small fraction of the money actually goes to what they said it's going to. Right. And so this is where I'm coming to the point I'm bringing all that up is if you're going to be, if you want your dollar and your investment in a short-term mission trip to, to be used wisely. And if you want to be a wise steward of a short-term mission trip, partner with a mission group, that's going to go work in a local church context. Go through a local church and go to a place where they're helping a local church on the mission field. That's the key. A missionary who's there long term, that's there to plant a work and plant a local church. The greatest need in the world today, okay, is not more money. It's not to raise people out of poverty, although those are wonderful things to aspire to and to try to help with. It's a byproduct, I would say, of the gospel when it's lived out, but it's not a guarantee. The greatest need the world has today is local churches. It's where the gospel is proclaimed. It's where Jesus is known. And so if you're going to be a wise steward and you want to uh, wisely invest in a mission trip, 
whether it's your finances or going yourself, then I would want to place that emphasis, invest in and go with a group that is uh, partnering with a local church. So maybe you're not going on the mission trip. You're like, oh, I want to help with something. Instead of sending your money to this major corporation like the Red Cross or something like that, find a local church medical ministry outreach. Okay, we're going to host medical missions outreach next year. And um, awesome. they bring in all their equipment and all the money goes to working on the field, you know, and they partner with a local church so that their efforts of what they do on the field is going to see long-term <clears throat> results because the church is going to follow up on all that they did during that time that they were there. And so that's really important. Do you have any comments on that? Uh, yeah, I agree way. with all that. I agree with all that. I'm not going to add a whole lot, but I will say that there are even groups that I think um, maybe I'll just give it a, for instance, there's a very well-known um, missions organization that goes into uh, countries like ours and does sport camps. Um, okay. And they're well-known. I'll say, I would say their name. I don't want to say their name necessarily, but I met one, the director one time at a, at a, I was on a vacation. I just happened to run into this guy and talking to him and I was new to the mission field and he found out where I was ministering in a different part of the island he said oh wow we just did a tennis camp there we had 300 kids out there and x amount got saved and i was like what what really like what what church were you working with and he said well we just haven't connected with the local church there yet well at first i was very disappointed um but what i did was i said well listen here's my name here's my number if you guys come here again i would love to just get those names and numbers and help out and long story short, we were able to reconnect. Next time they had a big baseball clinic with a, a really well-named baseball pitcher, Marion Rivera, Hall of Famer. Uh, hundreds of kids came out and they let me be there and take all the names and numbers. And you know what? There were a lot of professions of faith and we were able to connect with some of the kids. And one of the kids that came and was a very faithful member in our church for a long time. And he brought a bunch of his family and Long story short, we have one of our church planners through that contact. And so, you know, I could have been very critical of that group, but instead I said, well, Lord, I think they may be missing this. Let me come alongside them. They right. had enough good things going right. And so I think there are even those opportunities, Josh, where we can maybe come alongside when we see that. But I 100% agree. You want to go with a known commodity that's helping out the local church where you know those funds 100% are going to be used for the ministry and to help better the lives of the nationals. Excellent. That's such a great point. Case in point. I love that. Uh, lo love that example that you gave. Exactly. Connect. It just shows just the long-term bene benefit of being connected with a local church ministry, because you're only there a short amount of time um, and you want your investment to last long-term. And so, yeah, make sure you're connected with the local church and the local church on the field and um, see what the Lord will do. I, I, I know a lot of churches these days, they'll kind of adopt a local church in some part of the mm -hmm. world and they'll partner with them mm -hmm. and, and invest a lot more attention and focus and finances in helping, uh, you know, a local church or a, a, in a region, maybe several local churches in those areas. And, and I love that idea. I love the idea of a church adopting a certain people group and uh, finding a missionary that works with those people group in that general area and just uh, investing more thought and more time into making these right. mission trips a, an actual ministry, an outreach uh, of, of fulfilling the Great Commission through your local church and um, not just reaching your community, but just, you know, as an extension, reaching and ministering in some other part of the world where there are struggles, you know, there there's so many doors that open. We've hosted construction teams. And yes, of course, um, we could do more if, if we hosted, you know, Temple Baptist, your church came in, my home church came in for what it costs to bring all that, th their team in, I could about, you know, I could have bought land and built, you know, double the size church, but if they gave that, but number one, they're not just going to send that much money out of the blue, right? Like people aren't just donating that. Like I mentioned earlier, they'll save up the money for a specific trip. And that totally makes sense. Um, whereas at the same time, um, the testimony of, at least in our experience of in our, our area, the testimony of these men, these white men, two bobs coming and, uh, women and men that are older. Okay. You know, 
some were younger, middle age, but a lot of times churches, uh, people that come on the construction teams are uh, gentlemen who are retired with experience and they'll, you know, they're more free to be able to come on these trips. And our neighborhood, it, it just helped our testimony that much more when people in our neighborhood were watching and saying, boy, you know, these, these elderly, uh, not old, okay, but I'm just, I'm, you know, these white people of status, here they are side by side with me slinging mud and putting up a wall like this isn't they're stooping down to my level and it was a big deal and it left a, a testimony of hey these these aren't the white people that we think in our mind what white people are like and americans are like man they were totally opposite and so it opened a lot of doors by having good humble men and women come and work alongside our nationals not only did it set a great example, but it really overturned some uh, preconceived notions of what Americans are like. And they got to see, well, this is what you believe about Americans is most likely true, but these are believers and we're Christians first and we're followers of Jesus first. And uh, that's what's important. And so um, let's talk about maybe, unless you have anything else to add, let's talk a little bit about well, other I, type I, I, of I, mission I, trips. Yeah. Let me add a little parentheses. I know in yeah, that yeah. context, when you say white people, that, that may probably the majority who've come with you. But I'm thinking of my friend Richard, who came on that trip, who's actually African-American. Yeah. And I we, we, we joke, we're best friends. He was my best man at my wedding. I call him the Black MacGyver. But you know, Richard's a perfect example of someone who, when I got called into missions, and he was searching for what the Lord had for him, the Lord allowed him to stay there at our home church and serve and work in telecommunications. But Richard has literally gone all over the world. He's probably gone on 25 missions trips and his skills and ability that he has have helped more missionaries than I've ever been to help in my life. And so I think seeing people like my buddy, Richard, who, I mean, he lives for getting prepared with the missions team and going and building things and going down to the Amazon and going to Cambodia and going to Japan and going to Senegal, things that I'm sure I wouldn't be very good at. And so Josh and I are very careful to say, you know, these guys who come in many times, they're helping us out in specific ways that we really, we really are very thankful for their help. So I, I just wanted to add that in there. No, definitely. That is for sure. And, um, um, any team we've ever hosted has always been a great blessing to us, but we've hosted more than just construction teams. Um, mm -hmm, we've hosted mm -hmm. individuals, we've hosted college teams, and uh, we hosted, I think, two, two churches that came just to do ministry. And now in a country like ours, and I'm sure like yours, where it's not English predominantly, it can get a little tricky about finding things for people to do when they don't speak the language, but they want to come for a week or two. Have you hosted other trips beside uh, construction teams? Yes. So um, we have had, especially in the very beginning, when we were, you know, we didn't have very many people coming to church. We were just getting started. We would have uh, mixed groups. I mean, like adults and teenagers, men and women, uh, or teenage groups come in and we would just kind of canvas the city you know, Spanish, English, in this culture, there's a lot of Spanglish, you know, I'm sure it's totally different than in Senegal. In fact, what I would call, and I encourage young missionaries to have groups in, especially before you have uh, all three services or multiple services and discipleship classes, is have some Americans in if it works in your culture. Ours, we would have 10, 15 people going through the city, passing out thousands of tracks, and I called them uh, living, what I call them, living billboards, you know, and what would happen is people like, who, who are all these gringos? What are they doing here? And that gave me opportunity to tell them about our church. Uh, and so we did that a lot in the beginning, but after a while that didn't, that wasn't a need. And so we had VBSs and I, I learned early on, you know, 30, 40, 50 year old American men and women didn't really connect with some six and seven year old Dominican kid. And so what we learned to do and adapt for our sakes when it came to like evangelism or or interaction with nationals, I found having a youth group, American youth group, come in when we did our what we call Teen Week, where we every single night basically had from five o'clock to nine o'clock. You know, uh, it was like a teen, it was like a teen camp, but you went home at night. And without fail, Josh, American teenagers and Dominican teenagers always connected. You know, the Dominicans were trying to learn their English, and the Americans were trying to learn the Spanish. 
the adults and teenagers didn't seem to work as well, but teenagers <laughs> everywhere, they just seem to speak this common language and it worked. And so that's the kind of what we're talking about, figuring out how it works. And so we figured, you know, if we're going to have, when a teen group calls me up, I say, all right, we're going to mesh you with the week when we have teen week, because I know it's going to work. It almost, I mean, it's just work without fail. Whereas after a number of times when people say, well, we want to ring our, our senior saints to come do a VBS. I'm like, you know, I just don't think that's going to work. So yeah, we've, we've, we've had a couple of those type of groups as well. Yeah. We've hosted um, two groups. We actually had a group come in um, from Arizona and it was our largest team that we hosted. It was a local church there in Arizona. I think they brought in about 40 people and we had them all scattered out throughout the building (laughs) and we planned this big carnival at the end of their time here. Um, We had Mm -hmm. all these different outreaches. We did our, we do a, um, soccer tournament every year with um, Mm, street kids, uh, the Tally Bay. So they were a part of that. And then um, we had this big carnival planned. We were going to have this, you know, huge turnout. It was really excited. We, we had a campground that we were going to meet with and then COVID like started rolling Ah. off and we, they had to cancel everything. They got on the second to last flight out of the country. (laughs) Okay. So they just barely made it out, but uh, wow. It, it was, uh, it was interesting. So, but we had a great time and we had to adapt to that, you know, and um, as within the last three days that they were here, we couldn't really go anywhere. So we just 40 people stuck in a house here for about three days. It was, it was interesting <laughs> to say the least, Not but that being fun. said, um, yeah, you really have how many tracks can you stay up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you really have to, yeah, like you said, plan it out. What's the purpose of the trip? Now, one thing we like to do is hosting individuals. Um, we need more laborers in this part of the world. Every country needs more laborers. And so whenever we're in the States, we try to promote uh an internship program that we've started here. Um, uh, but we're very deliberate with what the purpose of that internship is. And we want young people to come who want to be a part of that internship, uh, who already know that they want to go into full-time ministry. I try to avoid, now what we'll host anybody who wants to come. We always encourage our supporting pastors. Hey, come out and visit us. We would love to have you come and see the work here. We want you to see firsthand or send somebody from your church or a mission leader to come out at least one time and uh, see our work here. So there's always an open invitation, but if it's a college student, we really try to be intentional in, in what the purpose is and them coming, um, Senegal, you know, there are some countries you can go to where you can do a four week, six week mission Mm -hmm. trip and get a good experience and see what missions is like and prepare your heart maybe for long-term. Most mission majors in school, or if you have a minor in missions at uh, Bible college, you're required to do an internship on the field. And so even before you know where you want to go, sometimes a missionary will pick a certain, or a student will pick a country. Senegal has a lot of challenges. And so we really try to, we, I send out an application. If somebody wants to do an intern, uh, not only internship, but just come for a few weeks. Um, then we send out an, uh, an application and really try to get their heart and mind. What's your reason for coming? Uh, what are some of your goals with this? That way we're on the same page. We know what their expectations are and they know kind of what the dynamic of the ministry is here because we have seasons where it's real slow and then seasons where things are real fast. And so if they happen to catch us at a slow season, I don't want them to feel like they wasted their time, uh, you know, coming just because it is a different language. And so they can't just go out and do whatever. Right. And so being where we're at, we do try, if we're going to have somebody here long-term who's doing an internship, we, we get them connected with our local university where there are English students. And uh, we've done that several times. We hosted a, a college, Bible college, and they did uh, every day. They went out to the university. They hosted a Bible club, had a tremendous opportunity to share the gospel. And so, yeah, you really just have to know what is the purpose of the trip? And so if you're going to go on one of these trips, uh, try to articulate to the missionary some of your expectations and what is your heart and what's your desire. And then if you're the missionary, try to communicate kind of what to expect when they come, what it's going to be like. Have you hosted any individuals that have come for several weeks at a time? 
So this is the part where we actually haven't mentioned the most important people on a missions trip. You know who those people are, Josh? Our wives. Who's that? Your wives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're doing the talking and we actually, when the groups are doing, still do a lot of the talking and the wives really do a lion's share of the work. Um, because as, we, as we'll talk later on about logistics, it is a lot of work to host a mission group. Now, as, yes. as far as having individuals in, uh, let me just say, first of all, that praise the Lord that I had a missionary friend here who had me in for an internship. I spent 84 days here, almost three months on the mission field. And I am certain, uh, first of all, that if I'd never gone on any missions trips, I wouldn't be a missionary, but I'm certain I would not be a missionary here in the Dominican Republic if I had not had that time. Uh, that being said, we have not hosted someone to that length. Oh, week, two, month, maybe. Um, generally for us, it, um, we have actually hosted a lot of couples or single people who wanted to go on survey trips. So they've, they've reached out and they said, hey, where would you want to, where, where should we go if we consider the Dominican Republic? And I love that. I'll take them and I'll kind of give them my week and uh, three, four, five, six, seven days, mm -hmm. and I'll drive them all over the country, show them the needs. But, but just for our family dynamic, it's not always been the best to host like an intern. And so this is where it kind of comes from our perspectives, where it works best for your, your ministry, your family dynamic. Um, but at the same exactly. time, we love having missionary groups having perspective missionaries. In fact, there's a gentleman who is an hour away from me. One of the youngest, uh, young, youngest, uh, not youngest, but um, he's young. Uh, one of the brightest missionaries on the island who is just dynamic. He's Dominican, went back to America. Then the Lord called him here. And he and his, his, his uh, teammate at the time, they came and they, they were thinking about one city they say, hey, what do you think? And I say, well, you should consider this one city. Let's go there tomorrow. And we went, and you know what? He's serving there today. I'm not saying I, I'm because of that, but I helped him along the way. And so I'm very thankful that Lord allows us to do things like that. But all of that through the filter of your family dynamic and what works for you. Absolutely. I would agree with that. If you're a missionary, you need to take that in, into consideration if you're going to host individuals versus a group. Um our experience, and I'm sure yours is the same because you just mentioned that when you host a group, there is a lot of work that goes into it. The wives do so much a part of that planning, uh, planning out meals and planning out where everybody's going to sleep and how you're going to wash clothes. And I mean, it, there's so much that goes into that part of hosting a group. And uh, I'll, I'll say one time we, we hosted a um, <laughs> church um, and one of the couples that came on this group uh, for the construction team. He's a businessman. He's been all over the world. He sits on a couple boards for mission agencies. And um, I'm only saying this because I want to yeah, plug it, put a plug in for my wife and just the tremendous job she does. But as we were leaving, um, his wife said to us, she said, you know, I've been all over the world and, and with different missionary wives and different missionaries hosting us. And she said, you're in one of the top three uh, of wives who have been the most prepared. And she said, I'll be honest, I've never seen as prepared. Everything was laid out meals, like everything. And she said, um, she said, I just want to encourage you. And that was all on my wife. She's so good at that. Mm -hmm. She could be the CEO of a major corporation. I mean, she's just, she's that good at it. And guys, if you're going to host a team, you got to make sure your wife is on board with it. Right. Um, because there is a lot of work that goes into it. And one of the things that uh, this gentleman's wife said to us is she said, I, we got to, um, to one mission agency or not agency. We got to one mission field and the missionaries brought us into the home the first day. And the wife said, well, here, here's the money you guys sent ahead for meals and stuff. Here's how you get to the marketplace. Go ahead and buy what you need. And there's the kitchen. And she's like, like the whole week, they had to buy the food themselves, prepare it themselves. And the wife didn't really do much. Now, there's a case where the husband didn't really communicate with his wife about whether or not she yeah. wanted to host a group. So with groups, yeah, you definitely got to have your wife on board. You know, this is a partnership and it's there's a lot to it. A lot of planning goes into it. But there's a different dynamic, like you said, with hosting individuals. And my mm -hmm. wife and I sat down, we've sat down with our kids and we've talked about it and we've come 
to an agreement and we we enjoy hosting individuals and we've made a decision if an individual young man or woman is going to come and spend an extended time with us they just become a part of the family mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we let the the intern know or young person know when they come not only are you part of a family, but being part of a family means you're going to be exposed to our flaws and all. Okay. You're mm -hmm. going to see us. It, it, we're, we're going to let you get insight into what our family dynamic is, the good and the bad. Okay. And so that's something that not every, very mm -hmm. few people are willing to do that. And if my wife was not willing to do that, I wouldn't be hosting teams yeah. or individuals as 100%. much as we do. Even my kids, if they weren't comfortable with it, then I would, you know, step mm -hmm. back and put a lot more distance between even where, where they stay and how involved they are. But we made a decision that, yeah, the, if you come, you're part of the family and, um, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna get insight because I, I want young people to go into missions if they're going to go to the mission field, they need to be exposed to the reality of both the good and the bad of mission life. I think they need it. The sooner you can get exposed to culture shock. Okay. The, the better prepared you can be. And so I'll give an example, a survey trip. You ask a bunch of different questions, right? Where, where would I live? Uh, where is it secure? Where am I going to start a ministry? Um, how do you get food here? What do you have access to? There's all those questions you ask on a survey trip. Okay. But culture shock comes when you experience the answers yep. to those questions. Yep. You don't just get the answers to the questions. That's a survey trip. But then when you come mm -hmm. back, when you experience those answers, that's when you go through culture shock. And a lot of times, most missionaries face that their first term and they they're not prepared for it because they're during their survey trip, they said to themselves, oh, this will be easy. Like, this is what's available. Then you get here and experience it. And it's like, whoa, this, that's not what I was mentally prepared for. And so my one of my goals in hosting individuals is to put them into real life experiences, not just seeing our family and the reality of living overseas. But, you know, yeah. once they're here for a week or two, drop them off in the middle of the marketplace with a couple bucks. They have to go buy something and find their way back. And, uh, you know, just put them allow them to experience the reality of those questions, the answers to those questions so that they can get a better handle on what am I expecting if I am to go into full-time missions trips. And so we try to pull back the layers of the romantic, romantic side of missions and expose it in the reality for what it is, the good and the bad. And like I said, that's not for everybody. That's not for every missionary. Um, but if you're able to do that, as a missionary, I highly recommend try to take that approach. I think it'll better prepare young people for full-time uh, ministry on the mission field. Yeah, it's funny because all these different types of missions trips we're talking about can be different as far as our dynamics go. For instance, when we're doing hosting a big missions trip, often we can take a look at the ages of the people who are there and maybe the career paths they have and you can kind of spot like one of the churches that comes from pennsylvania often will have you know retirees and teenagers mm -hmm. and so one of the yeah. things i've tried to do over the years is that when i see young men you know potential candidates for being missionaries i try to try to gravitate towards them include them in my runs to the uh hardware store mm -hmm. and just because i remember what it was like for me i mean josh and i we didn't actually mention this both of us are missionaries. Josh, I believe, was called missions while on a missions trip in Mexico and right. as a result of my missions trip to India. And so I remember being in India uh, on the platform as they were recognizing our group and the missionary saying, you know, maybe Eric Johnson one day will be a missionary here <laughs> around the world. I never even thought that thought. And so because of that, I intentionally tried to spend time with young guys who maybe you're thinking about that. Maybe God's planting those seeds. And so sometimes it is a, a young man who's in Bible college who's already thinking that way. But even on a missions trip where, you know, 95% of these guys are going to return to their works. So they're never going to think about being a missionary. They may give more to missions or pray their kid becomes a missionary. You know, be intentional with how you spend time. I think you might have even zeroed in on that on your talk with uh, Daniel Jenkins. And um, yeah. I just, I just yeah, think that's definitely. something we can do even on a missions trip where it's about, you know, painting some rooms. Yeah, exactly. Go back and listen to that interview as one of the first interviews we did. And 
Daniel shares his testimony, both he and his wife, Sarah, came on mm -hmm. separate mission trips here to Senegal. Right. Sarah came for three months. Daniel came on a, a claim trip with BIMI to do some construction. And uh, both of them, God touched their hearts while they were here. And hey, they're on the mission field. They're serving in Gambia. We're going this summer to do a uh, biblical faith seminar and do some evangelistic outreach. And that's, to me, it's worth it. It's getting that exposure to the need. And um, God will touch the heart when, when young men and women and see face to face, you know, the reality of the needs there. And like I mentioned earlier, those who have come, uh, we have a, a connection now with pastors who've been here. They, they see the need and, and we're very intentional. And in, in, we do a lot of debriefing at the end of the day, if the church now like mm -hmm. temple Baptist, they do their own debriefing. They do a great job at, you know, they're so experienced with it, but if it's maybe your church's first mission trip, we try to have everything scheduled out and we always have a debriefing at the end of the day. And then our final day we're here. Uh, we have kind of an hour or two where we do a lot of testimony and sharing and, and uh, we share some more about the needs. And so that connection that develops the next time we're at, you know, in the States at the, their church, there's just a deeper connection there and a greater partnership because they've seen it face to face and people are much more apt to invest more, not just prayer and finances, but their time, you know, and money in, in, in the work that they've got to see face to face, you know, in person. And so, well, let's go ahead and start wrapping up our discussion. Do you have any other points you wanted to add? I have a list of a couple things uh, that I wrote down as tips for a successful mission trip. Um, but before we get to that, is there anything you wanted to add? The notes that you've written down. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on some of these things, and they'll, you know, we can't get to everything. But real quick, I did write down a few things. One, and this is, this is something that I think a lot of times, in my experience, seeing other missionaries who have struggled with having groups, we haven't struggled as much, and I think it's because we got. Well, first of all, we were, we had a great example in our home church, and then two, mm -hmm. we had other missionaries help us along the way. But a lot of missionaries don't emphasize ahead of time with the groups. This is what we're going to be doing. This is how much it's going to cost. We're going to need this ahead of time. And I've seen a lot of missionaries. I mean, they've been holding the bag and they think because a church gives them 50 or hundred dollars a month, you know, they shouldn't ask for it. Well, if that's your reasoning, you're going to be paying for years to trying to recoup oh, yeah. your expenses according to that. So it seems simple, but be very upfront and no fixed costs and get them to know this ahead of time um, and, and say, you know, we're, we're going to need that ahead of time. Now, most trips, most groups, if you work with them and they've gone on mission trips, they understand this. But a lot of times, especially with youth pastors, it's their first time. And you've got to be real strong in your convictions to say this is what we're going to do. And then something else I'm going to add in here. This is kind of the fun part. Well, let me add this real quick. Have plan B's. As you mentioned with covid I mean, you had 40 people sitting there. I mean, you got to yeah. have some plan B's. And I'm sure you, yep. just because of COVID, you, you couldn't even do your plan B's. But have plan B's. <laughs> we had a, a, a team group uh, from our home church, actually. And we had a whole team week plan and it rained the first three days. And so we had to play mm -hmm. inside. And so we had to figure that out. And we have that plan. Yeah. And then lastly, it was just, just these are miscellaneous things. Um, you know, have fun days. Have a fun day planned in there where they – can experience your culture in a fun way, whether yeah, it be yeah. restaurants or, or yeah. museums or monuments, something that they, they'll take back as we didn't just work and see these poor people, that they, they experience the joyful part of being a missionary. And that really connects you with that day with a lot less stress, hopefully. And um, so then just a little bit of tidbits when it comes to hosting a missions trip. Definitely 100% agree with that. Make sure you take that time out to to go and do some uh, special activities. Julie and I, if it's a large group and they're only here for a short amount of time, I think we did it with Temple Baptist, your home church, maybe one other church, but we would give two options. We would put together a package of uh, touristy items, okay, like a Senegal hat, um, little artifacts that they would normally buy in the village, you know, and all of this. Mm -hmm. So we would put together a basket and we would say, all right, we'd send a picture of it ahead of time and say, Hey, these baskets cost 50 bucks a basket. Um, if you, you may not get 
time to go out to do the tourist shopping because it's such a short trip. Um, if you want to pre-buy one of these baskets, just bring the money. You can buy it from us. It's already made for you. Or we would give the option if it is a, you know, a short time that they're here, then we would segment off times during the week where I would take like three, three people at a time. Let's say there's 15 people on the, on the trip. I would take three people at a time uh, for two hours in a day and go out and see this town, you know, where we're at now. There's not a lot of sightseeing where we're at. There's not a lot to do, right. but there's a few things you can go live in the do. Caribbean. Yeah. So like <laughs> yeah. where you're at, you want to take a whole day with the whole group and go do something. Whereas where we're at, I mean, we all go to the beach. We'll do that as a group, you know, we'll go down to the beach, see the Atlantic uh, ocean and all that. But other than that, there's not a ton that you could do here. <laughs> um, we'll take everybody out to eat one of the nights. We have one of the best steak restaurants here. $14 oh, a plate for one of the best steak wow. dinner you'll ever have. And so we uh, will make sure everybody goes and gets that, but yeah. So we'll kind of structure it where, Hey, if, if you don't have time to go out, you can either pre buy one of our packages of tourist items, or we'll take you out, you know, three to four at a time mm -hmm. and go and see the town and then come back that way. The work is constantly going. So that's just, that's, what's worked for us with the dynamic mm -hmm. where we're at, but yeah, definitely want to make sure have everything planned out, you know, uh, from morning till night and everything will go smoothly. You would hope. And so <laughs> here's a few, as we uh, wrap it up, here's a few tips I wrote for having a successful mission trip. And this is for someone who's going on a mission trip. All right. I did. Mm -hmm. I've went on a few mission trips myself and I still plan on going on mission trips in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, I told my mm -hmm. oldest son, we're going to come visit the Johnson yeah. family in the Dominican Republic. And uh, on our next trip, we're going to come back and do that. So we're excited about doing that. But anyways, that being said, uh, here's a few tips. Number one, I wrote down, and you already mentioned this, go with the priority to encourage the missionary. That I think mm -hmm. that that should be your number one goal on a mission trip is to encourage, be an encouragement to the missionary. Uh, understanding that most likely you're going to visit a country where it's a different culture and a different language. And even if it's the same language, it's definitely a different culture, different way of thinking. And so the missionary is there. He's already learning to adapt to the culture, but the missionary has not given up their culture wholly, right? So we're living outside of our culture. We're living outside of what we grew up with. And so it is refreshing to gather with people when somebody from your own culture and your own language comes to visit you on the mission field. It's refreshing, you know, most of the time for the missionary. And so if you plan a mission trip, plan with that in mind that, hey, I want to go and do whatever I can to be a blessing to the missionary. And if nothing else happens on this mission trip, if I've been a blessing to him, his wife, or his kids in some way, then it's been a successful mission trip. Uh, have you been encouraged or discouraged more or less with mission trips you've hosted? Oh, no, we, we I, I can hardly ever think of any negative things that have happened with the groups themselves. I think most people have got to that point. I mean, once in a while, you have a person who may be, we might think of a little selfish in the group, but generally the, the groups that have come and, and they've just been overwhelming, whether it be bringing things from the States that we can't get here in the Dominican, or just the time they just encourage you and, and tell you how much they appreciate you being a missionary and being a representative of Christ for them and their church. Um, we really do look forward to those trips. And I appreciate um, the people who are willing to come and, and sacrifice their time and effort and, and thankful for the testimonies they share. And so, yeah, we've really, really been blessed to have people come. Uh, in fact, I believe that a couple you were mentioning uh, earlier have been some of our greatest mission groups we've hosted and encouraged us as well. And so I'm very thankful for everyone who's come alongside and helped us in the ministry on missions trips. All right. So the second thing I wrote down was you may 
connect with the national or a local mm. from the area where you're at, but that may not be the case. Sometimes we go with the expectation that, Hey, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to connect with somebody in the, you know, local there, and I'm going to be able to really develop a relationship. And that that's great if you do, but don't go necessarily thinking that's going to happen. Uh, you got to remember, sometimes it takes missionaries years to develop relationships and, um, to come in and develop a relationship that's going to be a real relationship. Um, yes, you will be able to hopefully share the gospel. But again, there's a lot of nuance to when you just come in, especially if you're American, a person of status, in a lot of countries, you're automatically considered wealthy as an American. And so you have this status where nobody's going to say no to you. And so you have to be very careful in the relationships that you develop. And um, you may not connect that deeply with a national. And so that's why I said, make it a priority to encourage the missionary Uh, Because if you can encourage the missionary, maybe he's ready to quit, you know, and leave the field and you've encouraged him during your time. And now he's going to be there longer. And sure, maybe you can connect with the national, you run into somebody who speaks English and, and uh, they, you develop a a great relationship that lasts in the long term. Um, But that's not always the case, depending on where you go. And so um, your, your mission is to encourage the missionary and to encourage the local church that's there. And uh, if that, if you're able to connect with the national and, and get into a deeper relationship so you can share the gospel, that's wonderful. But I wouldn't set that as one of your main expectations, because that doesn't always happen on mission trips like that. Have you had any experience? Maybe somebody's come and has connected with somebody and that turned into a, a great relationship or is it generally not the case? Well, you know, you mentioned it early in the podcast that sometimes the difficulty of that is just language, but when that barrier can be broken or at least somewhat connected, I have learned over the years, what I have tried to be is intentional by having our nationals, especially national leadership in the church, when there's like a work group, come alongside if they can and either help in some cases because they do those type of tasks or, you know, we, I remember specifically when we had a group that was working very hard in our construction that we had ladies in the church who came and they brought um, refreshments in the morning and snacks and allow them to make connections with the Americans in this case and see, wow, here are people giving of their time and effort for our, our building, our church. And we want to, you know, make a connection with them. Uh, And so I tried our pastor Ari before he was a pastor. He's a painter by trade painter. And he and one of the gentlemen from the trip, they just, they were painters. And even though they didn't speak the same language, mm-hmm. they just, they made a connection that's always been there. And so we try to put those people together. Sometimes it works uh, and there's long lasting relationships and they connect on Facebook and things like that. And sometimes it doesn't, but I think most of all, what I tried to do is encourage our church people here in the Dominicans to understand what the sacrifice these people have made and how much they love the cause of Christ and love your church and your missionary. And you should be, if anything, just grateful and try to make, reach out, make a connection. And sometimes it works. Generally it doesn't, but sometimes you do get, make those relationships stick. Yeah, definitely. And if it does, yeah. You know, pray before you go. Prayer is a big, big part of having a successful mission trip, put a lot of prayer into it (laughs) and God will open that door, you know, for you to connect with somebody. If it happens, Uh, I would say another important point is don't give away anything unless you first clear it with the missionary. All right. Um, Yes. Americans and Westerners in general are very generous, extremely generous. Mm -hmm. And we should be, it's, it's the Christian thing to do, right? It's natural for a Christian to feel empathy toward the poor and to feel empathy toward those who are in different. Yeah. And to be generous. That's, that's natural. It's it's very Christian thing to want to do. Um, But sometimes there are certain contexts where giving can actually set back the work that the missionary is, uh, is attempting to accomplish. And so, and and also it's just, you don't know who is legitimately in need and not right now, most of the time when somebody came to us and said, Hey, can I give this out to this person? We're like, Oh yeah, of course. You know, they'll be very grateful for that. Cause we do at the Mm -hmm. beginning of every mission trip, we let everybody know, um, don't, 
don't give anything else, give anything out, you know, and we'll give some criteria, you know, if it's this situation, this or that, uh, like, for example, you'll see kids on the street here and you're like, Oh, I just want to give them a dollar. Well, that dollar you just gave them is going to go directly to their Islamic teacher. They don't get to see it, right? They don't, they're not supposed to use it. And if they don't bring about back a certain amount of money, then they're punished for it. So we give out candy, we give out uh, mm. bread, we give out food, you know, so we always have something mm. on hand that we can hand mm. them. And even if you give them clothing, if you give them a pair of shoes, unless you've mm. coordinated it with the mosque that they're connected to, a lot of times you would just give it to a random kid on the street, um, their Islamic teacher will take it from them and he'll either go and resell it mm or he'll put the dirty clothes back on because wow. who wants to give money to somebody who has nice clothes on. And so those are things, you know, you got to think through. Uh, another example is we, we just hosted somebody recently la late last year. And uh, as soon as he got off the plane, you know, you're, you're inundated with everything, the sights, the smells, the sounds, and you don't know what's coming at you and you don't know who is coming at you. And so we were putting his luggage into the car at the airport and these two guys kind of came up and they, they were following us. And um, he assumed I was kind of keeping them blocked from approaching too closely to him. But I think he assumed they were with the, um, with the airport. And I went around the other side of the car I go around the side of the car. We had put his luggage in. And when I came back around the other side of the car, he had his wallet out and he was handing out $20 bills. And I said, no. So I oh grabbed the money. Word. I said, these, these guys don't oh work for word. the airport. They, they're just random guys who came up here and pretend to work here. Don't give them any money. And so I, on the way home, we, we talked about that. Like, you know, we don't just give anything out for any random reason and things like that. And so, yeah, those are things that are important. Um, most of the time, the missionary will be like, yeah, of course, if you want to give this out, let's do it. Um, it's better to coordinate, though, and yeah. maybe pre-plan a day where, where we do charity events, we yeah. give things out. Uh, so that's important. And then I would just say last three things, go with an open heart, okay? Just tell the Lord, Lord, would you want me to come serve here in this country? You know, touch my heart. If this is something you would want me to do, be open on the mission trips uh, to maybe God would possibly call you. Uh, ask the missionary how you can partner with them in the long term. So sit down with the missionary before you leave and say, hey, you know what, how can we better encourage you? What are some ways we can stay in touch? Uh, how, how, you know, what, what can we do to be a greater encouragement to you? And, and most missionaries will give you, you know, some ideas of how to stay in touch and how to be an encouragement, things like that. Uh, make sure you capitalize on the, that mission trip you took, you know, and stay connected with the missionary and the people that you were serving during that trip. And then lastly, I would just say, expect the unexpected. Okay. Expect it. You know, the culture is going to be different. The environment, the poverty, those are things that, you know, you're expecting mm -hmm. the unexpected, you know, missionaries can be quirky. And so be ready to, um, you know, kind of deal with uh, your missionary host having some quirks and just, it's okay. All right. It takes all types to do the work of God. And I've heard so many stories of just some quirky things that either missionaries have done, or maybe a pastor did on a mission trip or just things like that. But just remember, this is the work of the Lord. You're coming to glorify Jesus and um, people are different, you know, and it takes all kinds to do the work of the Lord. And uh, God calls all different personalities and so, you know, don't go and be shocked if the missionary is a little weird, you know, and you see him in his element. For all you know, that's how he's adapted <laughs> to the culture and the people there love him, even though you might be, you know, turning your head sideways saying, what is he doing? And so um, anyways, those are just kind of some things I wanted to put out there. Is there anything else that you wanted to give as, as we wrap up? You know, it, it's a, a tough thing to say as a missionary, but it's 100% true. All missionaries are a little weird. You have to be a little weird to be a missionary. And so <laughs> absolutely be ready for a weird missionary. But um, no, <laughs> missions trips are, uh, missions trips are wonderful. Uh, on the missionary side, preparation is the key. Being in communication with yeah. your group, them understanding what to, to expect and what uh, you're expecting. 
uh, being prepared with materials and whatever, you know, logistical needs there. Um, but once they get there, do your best to make it a fun time. You, you're basically just wetting their whistle. Everybody understands if they're staying for seven days, they're not getting a true understanding of what mission life is, but there are insights you can give them. There are things they're just going to observe and it's encouraging to be around others who are praying for you, sacrificing for you, willing to come give blood, sweat, and tears, hopefully not too much blood uh, to the work there. And uh, they really are encouraging times, but I'll say this, they need to be balanced. Uh, I know one dear family of ours who would tell you, we saw them before, before we became missionaries here, they had too many groups. They just said yes to everybody. And so you just have to make sure that you uh, balance that with your ministry and have them when it works for your ministry and learn to say, you know, that's not going to work this year. How about next year? And if you can do that, I think it's just going to be a tremendous uh, blessing to your ministry. Well, that's great. I would love to do a podcast in the future where we just write down stories of uh, either missionaries who've had uh, funny <laughs> stories or pastors who've gone on mission trips yes. and have interesting stories. We need we need to compile some. Well, like that. I, I know who we're going to have on Brandon Lawrence, Brandon Lawrence, the assistant pastor at Temple yes. Baptist. Nobody yes. in the world has more interesting stories on missions trips than Brandon. So we'll have him on. Yeah, yeah, we need to get him on and have him share some of that. It's excellent. Well, we hope this has been a blessing to you. And uh, if you're a missionary, giving you some ideas, I, I hope you'll consider hosting mission trips, uh, hosting individuals, get exposure to your field and, and let people know what the need is. Let them see firsthand uh, how they can better pray for you and engage with your ministry. And so try to encourage your pastors, your supporting churches to come and see the field firsthand. And uh, so they can see, you know, the blessings and challenges of being a missionary. And if you're, if you've never done a mission trip, consider it, you know, what skill do you have? And then find a mission trip that you can plug in whatever skill you have. And even if you don't have any skills, there's always something that you can do on the mission field, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's, uh, you know, just encouraging the missionary, encouraging the missionary kids that are there. There's always something you can do to plug in somewhere. And so, hey, we want to give you an open, open invitation. Come out to Senegal anytime and visit us. We would love to have you. And uh, if it's your first time going across the ocean, we always tell people, from Washington, D.C. or from uh, New York City, it's a direct flight and it's only a seven hour flight. So I know Dominican, it's a lot cheap. It, you know, it's not as expensive. It's a quicker flight. Everybody goes to the Caribbean. I mean, come on, you can visit Eric anytime. But hey, if you want a real experience of I don't want to say real missions, but I, I want to talk, you know, we're talking about missions. OK, <laughs> that you can come over to yeah. Africa yeah, and uh Come and see club us. Man. <laughs> That's right. No, no, no. It's a, there's a, I met a missionary from uh, the Bahamas. He actually grew up there. And that's one of the uh -huh. things he pointed out in his missionary video was, yeah, these are the resorts, but when you turn around and go past the Hills, it's poverty stricken. And it's not, you know, it's not the, it's not the dream vacation you yeah. think it is. There are real needs here. True. And so I kid about that, but yeah, I definitely am going to take a mission trip to Dominican Republic one day. And uh, who knows, maybe Eric, you'll come visit us. We'd love to have Everybody you and one should. of your kids come and we'll see what happens. So, all right, well, this is Josh Mead from Senegal, West Africa. Thanks for listening. God bless Eric. Go ahead and close it up. All right. Thank you for listening. Please share this podcast with people you care about and have to do with missions. And we thank you for listening.